Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. Daniel was a man of God who was an advisor to a king. One day, some men who were jealous of Daniel convinced the king to issue an edict that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to the king, would be fed to hungry lions. And yet, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Faced with the hungry mouths of lions, Daniel gave thanks. Paul was a Christian leader during a very dangerous time for the church. He had to leave the city of Philippi after facing mounting persecution and an illegal imprisonment. And all of that persecution was then inherited by the Philippian church. And yet, in his letter to the church, he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Faced with violence, prison, even death, Paul told the church to give thanks. Prayer and thanksgiving can't be separated. It's as if the only real prayers must be spoken with gratefulness. How else are we to pray without ceasing unless we are living a life of continual thanks? In all situations, at all times, thanking God for everything. You see, the gift of prayer, this privilege of communing with our Creator, is our opportunity to show our complete submission to God's will, in sorrows and joys alike, in all things, in every prayer. There must be one constant. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for being here today. I'm super grateful for each and every one of you. It is so fun to be back in God's house with his people. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving day. But more than that, it is so fun to officially be in the holiday season. Uh, One of the fun things about Thanksgiving is trying new recipes and eating classic foods and spending time with family. And some of you are here today just to get a break from being with family. Welcome. You're safe here. Um, But I love sometimes just being with family, people that you've known for a really long time, and finding out something new and hearing new stories. My father-in-law was in town, uh, along with my mother-in-law, who's still in town, and uh, just we got to have a really sweet time together. And my father-in-law is like 80 years old, and by this time you think we know all the stories, but he never ceases to amaze us. So we had like the holiday station on, anybody already listening to Christmas music? Some of you are like... Since Halloween, what are you talking about? Um, so a holiday song was playing, and good old Frank Sinatra came on. And, um, you know, my father-in-law grew up in the Northeast. He just, he, he 
just has this air of mystery. And for whatever reason, Andrea goes, hey, Dad, have you ever met Frank Sinatra? And her dad was like, yeah, actually, I did. And we're like, say what now? Um, this Thanksgiving just got good. Can you please go on? And he just goes on to share that when he was 18 years old, he made a trip from Boston to New York to this old restaurant called Gillies. And while he's sitting there at a table, old Blue Eyes walks through the door into the kitchen to talk to the owner named Gilly. And my father-in-law was like, this is my shot. And he like gets up from the table, bursts through the kitchen, and he's like, Frank, I'm Charles Grillo. And Frank Sinatra is like, well, hi, how's it going? And they hit it off and have a conversation. And later, Frank Sinatra comes and joins my father-in-law at the table. And all I could think is like, wow, Andrea, your family is so much cooler. <laughs> because when I go back home and hear stories of my family, it's more like, What's Aunt Ozell fighting with Aunt Bonnell about this time? And those are actual names in my family. They have both gone to heaven, and they are both wonderful ladies. Um, but I just, I always loved those names, because it was like their parents were like, I love the sound of the name L. We just know how to get the name started. So how about O's and Bon? We'll go with that. Um, I think it's beautiful. Uh, for us, you know, kind of like those redneck people. So we like to talk about who's in jail and what they're in there for and usually something like a scheme at a flea market or a stolen tractor trailer truck both true stories um and uh but then i found out something really cool so i already asked about christmas music but does anybody just want to confess that you have seen at one point in your life one of those hallmark christmas movies anybody trent braces in that was awesome <laughs> I'm getting gradually lured in this holiday season. They're sort of addictive. There's something comforting about predictability. <laughs> and um, so I found out that one of my distant cousins by marriage, um, he actually, his stepmom was Mary Tyler Moore before she passed away. And I just found out that he wrote one of the Hallmark movies that just debuted this holiday season starring Kathy Lee Gifford. So if you check it out, you're in for a treat. We, I watched half of it. It's pretty good. Um, and what's so funny to me is that they are an amazing, like, amazing family members. They're invested in what we're doing here in Portland. They're contributors, contributors to this church. So it's like hitting me that this moment right now is partially sponsored by Hallmark Movies. <laughs> so you're welcome for that. Um, watch out. Candace Cameron might come through the door at any moment. Um, but you find out a lot of things at Thanksgiving. It's a wonderful time to celebrate. But really the key to the holiday is so deeply powerful. And today I wanted to have a moment to just really appreciate the impact of being thankful, of Thanksgiving. And to give us an opportunity and space to reflect in the scripture, but also to have a moment to prayerfully thank God for who he is and what he is doing in our lives as I begin to study this concept of Thanksgiving, I read this article in Psychology Today that listed like seven medical benefits towards gratitude. That people who are thankful tend to sleep better. People who are thankful um, just have like overall positive sense of well-being and joy. They're better friends. They make better relationships. That gratefulness and gratitude is the secret key to joy. The gratitude itself is this destabilizing power. That darkness can't contain. I love that. Thinking of this from a believer standpoint, I like to think in pictures, and I just think that like the Holy Spirit is that deep well of joy and abundant life within us, and gratitude is like the bucket that draws that back to the surface again. 
It's this powerful subject that many of us don't spend enough time thinking about. Uh, what I love about true Christianity is that there is no secret about figuring out God. That is not the secret. The secret is not impressing God. He has done all the impressive work for us. The secret is not building our way toward God. We never could, not on our terms. The secret is learning how to learn and line up with God, who he is and what he has said. That is the secret to unlocking his joy. And the thesis statement for today is this. Gratitude gives us the daily ability to align with the divine. We're going to walk through scripture and see that. I want to show you a passage in Philippians chapter 4. This is a really interesting piece of literature. This is a letter that we have from antiquity from a man named Paul who wrote a letter from prison to some really good friends. Uh, sometimes I think we think the Bible was just written by biblical characters. But to really bring in that, hum that human element, this was written by a person with thoughts and feelings. And this is sort of the last chapter of one of his like, most intimate letters that he writes. And today it's kind of like we get to look in on someone's secret letter. I mean, he made it public. It was to be read to the church. But it feels so personal. And I want you to feel that today as we read it. So without any further ado, let's pick up Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes this. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And I love this because you see the heart of a pastor with Paul. People are asking me, so Andrew and I traveled for three weeks. Some of you I saw last week. Some of you were traveling last week and you're back this week. Um, uh, I, people are like, how was your trip? And my answer is the same. It was great, but I just couldn't wait to get back. And I, I think that's exactly what you're hearing Paul say here. It's like, I long for you. Like, I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to come to your house and cook chili. I want to, like, play board games. You didn't say that, but it's the theme. Like, I want to spend time with you, but I can't because I was giving my life away for the gospel, and now I'm in jail. But I long for you. Verse 2, he actually mentions people by name. I entreat Judea and I entreat Suntiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So it's like this personal moment, like, hey, calling people out from the crowd. And then he gives us like this powerful, heartfelt advice and direction. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, because the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And when you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pause for prayer and ask God to help us truly understand what this word says for us today. Jesus, we love you, and we are thankful for who you are. God, if there is a secret to appreciating you more, to accessing more of your joy, more of your life, then God, we want it. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And God's people said together, amen. 
Um, I think there's a few points that we could take away from this. We could spend so much time, like probably 50 quality principles that we could draw from this scripture today. But for the sake of time, we're going to focus on three. And the first one is this. I believe Paul is teaching us we need to learn how to yearn. We need to learn how to yearn. Um, I think this is the time of year when most people need to start being careful because we live in a culture that teaches you to want things we live in a culture that creates a, like a sense of demand in your heart and your soul of unrest. Like there is always this sense that if you don't buy now or purchase now or get to the store now, you're going to miss a treasured moment, an opportunity, a party, or that great Black Friday deal. And if you miss that, there's Cyber Monday. It's coming up tomorrow. You can't miss out. It treats us um, like we are always wanting something, and it complicates our relationship with what it means to want. As I was focusing on this in the scripture, I began to see there are two different types of wants the Bible talks about. I want to talk about them today. The first kind of want is that yearning sense, that desire. The second type of want is covetousness. And so we're going to define between those today two kinds of wants. One is good and helpful and beautiful and draws us closer to the heart of God. The other is destructive and will steal our joy quicker than most anything else. We're going to talk about what they are and how to position our heart. First, I want to talk about yearn. I believe we see an example of that in verse 1 when Paul says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and I long for, that there is this thing that I don't have that I wish I had. Like, I'm okay and satisfied, and yet I live in a broken world, and I am seeking restoration. Like, there is family and people in my life I, I wish I was close to, but I'm not close to right now. I'm yearning. I think it's okay to live in a broken world and wish and desire things to change. This is human. I believe that this type of desire is good and even godly. Andrew and I got to go on a really cool date last night. I think it's important for husbands and wives to invest in their relationships. Sometimes that's hard to do. We try to model that for our kids, that like that's the most important relationship. It's the foundation. And uh, about a month ago, I bought these tickets that I totally forgot about. And yesterday, we're at Multnomah Falls, and I get this calendar reminder on my phone. And um, the tickets were for uh, Oregon Symphony Concert at the Arlene Schnitzer Auditorium, which we've never been to before. And it was a night of Disney music by the Oregon Symphony. It was wonderful. So we're just sitting there with fancy people in our not fancy clothes and jeans and uh, just enjoying these really beautiful pieces of music presented in a breathtaking way. And I started to draw out some conclusions that almost every Disney movie starts with a big I want song. They always start like where the character is like, you know what? I, I can't even just say it. I can't just say it. I have to sing it. <laughs> like think about Belle. She wants adventure in the great white somewhere. Ah, oh, we can feel it. Think about Pocahontas. She looks once more where? Just around the river bend. We think about Ariel. She wants to be where the people are, part of your world. We think about King Louis, Ooby-Doo. He just wants to be like you who who. He wants to walk like you and talk like you. Hercules. Oh, are you a fan of Hercules? You need to be. You need to go home and Netflix Hercules today. It's so good because his song, it's so visceral. I have often dreamed of a far-off 
place where a great warm welcome will be waiting for me. He is longing and yearning for a place where he feels complete. And I thought, why does Disney write all these songs? And then why does Disney make billions and billions of dollars? Because they recognize that that feeling of yearning is so elemental to our humanity. It's built in. Marketing can corrupt it. Covetousness can corrupt it. But it is a godly feeling to yearn. Then I begin to ask the question, does God yearn? Does God yearn for things? It's a strange concept. I was thinking about a scripture in 2 Peter 3, 9, which lots of theologians talk about and roll around and ponder and think about. Today, give us the opportunity. Scripture says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Again, we could do a message series here. Um, I'm not here to talk about like how all of this works, but we can draw out some really interesting things from here, specifically that word wish. That Greek word, bulame, it literally means to desire, to yearn. Um, it's different than the type of will that God does to will the eternity into existence, willing the earth into existence. This is a different word with a feeling of desire. So in this moment, we see God having a desire. So I don't want to use anthropomorphic language. That means like apply human characteristics to an infinite being. I'm not trying to do that here and say, oh, he's just like us. But what I can say is, Man, if God has a desire, a, a wish, like this thing that he wants, I can relate to him. I can relate to that. That's a God that I can relate to. Then we have this idea of covetousness that the Bible also talks about, right? It goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. The Ninth Commandment says don't covet your neighbor's wife. It's this wicked desire to claim something that never belonged to you and never should. And then the 10th commandment talks about not coveting your neighbor's possessions. Like, don't wish for your neighbor's life, his wife or his life. Those aren't yours. Those are not yours to want. And it convicted me that there might have been times in my life where I have prayed, not out of a sense of yearning, but out of a sense of covetousness. So I began to think, like, what's the difference? How can I distinguish between the two? And I thought gratitude is a great barometer. That yearning is rooted in humility. To yearn says, man, I have come to this moment of realization. That because of being a sinner, there's one thing I deserve. And it's eternal separation from God. And yet, there is this sense that I want to see broken things made whole. There is this desire to see relationships be made right. There is this desire to, like, get out of this job I don't really like. It doesn't really fit me. I really want to be centered and, like, purpose. That I have this yearning desire for more. However, I am rooted in this idea of humility. And the way I get there is through gratitude. It's the way that I align with the divine. Man, God, I'm so grateful for what you've given. I think that's what Paul's kind of saying here. God, I, I am so grateful for who you are, rejoicing always. But I'm in prison, and man, there's a part of me that yearns not to be. I want to, I just really want to be reunited and connected with the people who are close and dear to me. Covetousness, on the other hand, I think is rooted in entitlement. What I deserve, who I am, and 
what I should get. Man, I deserve that opportunity. I deserve that new washer dryer set that's on sale on Cyber Monday. Man, I deserve that opportunity and that attention and that goodness. I deserve that. And when we begin to feel like we deserve, we are totally unaligned with our true standing before God. And that's when things get wicked. I'm still asking God to reveal the difference for me, right? We are bad judges of our own heart. Proverbs teach us that. We all think that we are right in our own eyes, but it is the Lord who weighs our heart. What can we use as a scale? Gratitude. Gratitude. Begin with gratitude if you want to be aligned with God. There's a second thing that we see. I think it's good to ask for what you want. I think it's good to yearn. But number two teaches us this. We need to remember God's heart before asking for his hand. Now, this is some church language. I will tell you right now. This is a preacher phrase, but I like it. Because I think in images, I think that it helps remind me as a dad, man, I want to give my daughter everything I can. And believe me, she gives every opportunity to do that. She's a good asker, really good at asking for things. Man, I want to give her everything, but I also want to know that at the end of the day, she like cares about me, that there's a relationship there, that there is a connection. And I think so many times when I get stuck in entitlement and covetousness, man, I'm thinking about how God can get on board with my plan rather than remembering who he is and who I am before him. That gratitude helps us remember God's heart before asking for his hand. Look back to what Paul said in verse 1. Pardon me, in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This was powerful for me as I was reading this in preparation. Because so many times I think about gratitude as a passive experience. The most often time I say thank you is at mealtime. So like food has been set before me, and so that was the action. And reactively I say what? Thanks, God. I'm good at gratitude. Um, like someone, you know, gives me a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, someone like lets me get in front of them in traffic. Thank you. I'm a grateful person. Look at my heart. Praise God for me. I'm so grateful. And Paul is like, no, gratitude is the most proactive thing you can do. That true gratitude leads. Rejoice in the Lord when everything goes your way. No. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. What about when you're stuck in prison? For things you didn't deserve to be stuck in prison for. Yeah. What about when you got cut off in traffic? Yes. Then. What about when that relationship that you invested a lot into betrayed you? It's not saying that you have to fake that you're okay. But in that moment, when you can't rejoice in the world, you can rejoice in him. Because while the world is broken, he is faithful. And when we pattern our lives... Remembering who God is before we ask for him to move for us, we will experience deeper joy. I want to share some scriptures that speak to the heart of God. These are promises that he made to his people in the old days, in the Old Testament. I love scriptures like this because I'll hear people say, even believers will say, man, I like this Jesus of the New Testament. This God of the New Testament, he's friendly, but that God of the Old Testament, he was always ticked off at people. He was super mean. I'm like, wait a second. These are scriptures that were written in the Old Testament by uh, Old Testament prophets that speak to the heart and character of God. 
Hear these scriptures today. They're beautiful. Maybe one of these is just what you need to hear. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So many other religions say you need to be strong and follow this formula to get stronger and pressure God. Make your way to your God. Yet the heart of Abba, Jehovah says this, I give strength to the weary and I increase the power of the weak. God's power is attracted to our weakness. What a God we serve. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When Jesus said I did not come to abolish the Old Testament or the law, but to fulfill the law. In this promise, we see that Jesus has come to be the once and for all answer to this promise, the once and for all answer to our strength, the once and for all answer to being upheld. That's good. I like this next one, Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, if I am only trusting God's hand and not his heart, I'm like, hey, Lord, why don't you just keep me out of the flood to begin with? How about that? If I'm not trusting his heart, but just his hand, I'm like, hey, how about like uh, not getting so close to the flames? Like, why don't you just give me a spiritual fire extinguisher? But here's the promise of God in the midst of a broken world. I will never leave you. There is nothing that you can face in this world that I cannot overcome. I am your victory. I am your victory. I love this one in Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We need to remember God's heart before asking for his hand. I want you to pray for stuff. I'm yearning for things all the time. But man, you know what steals my joy quicker than anything is when I let it slip into covetousness. And you know that you can covet good things too. It's not about the object. It's about the source. It's not about what you desire. It's about how you desire it. And gratitude realigns us. And that's point three. It's our thesis. Gratitude gives us the daily ability to align with the divine. Gratitude gives us the daily ability to align with the divine. I shared last week, man, I'm so excited about what God has on the horizon for our church. In 2019, I was just talking to Kay about, like, we can't wait to get together uh, in some of our team meetings to discuss what Jesus is doing. Like, cool things are in the work. I feel like God has given fresh vision, fresh passion. I'm yearning for it all. <laughs> and uh, part of the key is us. Like what God has given here, these amazing folks that God has called together, and what does it look like for us to be activated fully into what God has for us as marketplace missionaries in our neighborhoods, in our classes, in our families, in our city? What does it look like for that? And I think one of the keys, one of the beginning points, one of the building blocks is to be aligned with God. And then how quickly gratitude can help us find that. I think a lot of people would say, I would like to grow spiritually. What do I do? 
And sometimes we think, man, there's another, like, you know, process we're supposed to learn or this secret of God we're supposed to uncover or this, like, thing we're supposed to do. And I really think it's as simple as this, that your spiritual growth will happen. It will go quicker. It will be more fulfilling the more you practice gratitude. I think it's that simple. And so I was trying to think, like, how do I unpack this point for you today? And what I love is that Spring of Life, we don't just have a core value of explaining, because we can get over-explained to in churches. We have a core value of action. So I thought today, why don't we just put this into practice? Let's have a, we had a Hallmark moment earlier, let's have a Nike moment. Let's just do it. And so we purchased some journals for you, and Gabby's going to pass them around right now. We have a little different variety, um, so if you already brought your prayer journal today or you have something you can write in, you can use that, but this is our gift to you. I took a steno pad that's green, so feel free to express your personality with your choice. Green's the best color, by the way. Um, so, yeah, there is scientific research that say we remember more when we write with our hands. So if you're a student or you're learning in church, you can type notes. Um, which I love to type notes, but when you write something with your hand, there's a special connection to your heart and your mind. And so today, we're going to actually play um, a video. There's beautiful lyrics on the screen. If this is a moment where you just like to sit and reflect, sit and reflect and enjoy God. If this is a moment where you'd like to make a list of things that you're grateful for, then make a list of things that you're grateful for. If this is a moment where you'd like to reflect on some scriptures and promises, maybe some of the ones I just read in Isaiah. Maybe you just want to look up some scriptures and promises and write them out. Maybe you do what I do, and you actually like write a letter to God as a prayer. For a point three today, I just wanted to have some space for us to interact with God together. And then as we're done, I'm going to encourage you, if anyone has something to share from like what God revealed to you, in the time of being grateful in this moment of prayer i would love for you to share um, in scripture jesus teaches us my house will be a house of prayer and you know what we do we say uh, i think you meant preaching jesus um, i think you meant your house will be a house of talking and he's like no no my house will be a house of prayer and today we're going to honor that we get to live that out so we'll spend some time this is point three i'll come back up we'll have some share time as the spirit leads and then we will close with some music, singing, and communion. But let me pray for us. Let me read Philippians again and then pray for us and then have a moment of reflection. The Word of God says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Finally, whatever is true and honorable, whatever is just and pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Jesus, open our hearts to see who you are and the many, many reasons we have to be grateful. Let your spirit speak in this time. Align us with you. Bring us to life in Jesus' name. Take a look at this video, and let's spend some time with God reflecting. If you're grateful for God today, let me hear you say amen. If you're in this moment, I 
continue to encourage you to stay there. Um, but I'd also like just to open it up, and I love kind of like our two-service intimate environment sometimes where we can actually hear each other. I think it's cool and godly. Uh, is there anybody who just want to share something that you're grateful for about God? If we were sitting in a circle in a small group, it would be totally normal, but when we sit in rows, it's weird, but I think that's okay. Is there anybody who just wants to share? You don't have to.
Jesus, we love you and thank you. Who are we that you would love us? Yet here we are. Move in this time. Move in this week. Move in this city. Move in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's respond together. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.